Hey everybody, welcome back to the Q&A podcast. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to episode 15. My name is Anthony. Sitting right across from me as always is my pal DeQuincy. Hello again. And we're working on, this is part 5, I believe, of our NFL preview. Uh, we're moving on to the AFC today, boys and girls. We're going to be looking at the AFC East. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the big times, it seems like. The big times? What made you say that? Well, was pretty pretty solid teams in the AFC. Uh, a little about uh, inside baseball. We were talking about uh, the teams in the AFC and AFCs, and we were and we both said, "Well, this podcast might go forty minutes, and thirty five of that might be just us talking about the Patriots." <laughs> I think you're right. Which you know, hey, I'm I'm down. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are looking forward to it as well. And it just means we're getting that much closer to our review of our home team, the Houston Texans, saving the, the best for last. That's right. So you want to get us kicked off, DQ? Oh, yeah. All right. Alphabetical order once again, starting with the Buffalo Bills. Last year, the Bills went 6-10. and 10. Wow. What? Why did you say wow? You didn't expect them to be that high? I didn't think they went that, <laughs> went that high last year. Oh, wow. Um, let's see. They signed um, linebacker Brandon Spikes from the um, Patriots. Um Anthony Dixon, running back, so back of C.J. Spiller and uh, what was it Fred Jackson, tight end Scott Chandler. Hey, they did all right. Oh, and they re-signed uh, Fred Jackson to a one-year contract extension. So basically, all that was the same is the same. Yeah, and they drafted what the best, arguably the best receiver in, in this this past year's draft. Yeah, I mean Watkins. Mr. Watkins from Oklahoma? OU? Clemson. Clemson. Oh, okay. I got it confused. You're just naming random schools until I tell you what it is. <laughs> Oklahoma? OU? Notre Dame? USC? Something? Hey, two of those were the same. All okay. Right. Uh, let's talk about their, own, their offensive, uh, let's say, offensive struggles. Uh, they were 28th in the passing game and second in rushing. Good Lord. That's... Yeah, recipe for disaster. That's not good. That's bad. Uh, because, uh, let's see. If I remember correctly, their quarterbacks, they had E.J. Manuel, Thaddeus Lewis, and Jeff Toole. Remember, it was Toole time for a minute there. <laughs> um, combined, they threw 28 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Uh, E.J. Manuel, who's uh, going to be a starter this year, 11 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. 180 yards a game. Not exactly what you're looking for for your um, franchise quarterback, right? Uh, but I mean, you know, he's didn't really he didn't really have much to work with uh, outside of the running game. So those numbers I can I can see as being you know his standard for uh, for the foreseeable future until they really develop the the passing game or until they develop their their receiving core. That's very true. Um, we'll talk about the receiving core last year. Guess how much their uh, top uh, top wideout, how many yards he had? 700. Oh, you're close. 655 yards for Scott Chandler. Wow. And he's a tight end. He's a tight end. Uh, Stevie Johnson had 597, and he's on the uh, 49ers now, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's too bad. <laughs> but you got like, you got like the, the potential that Watkins... Watkins brings to that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that their offense can finally uh, be excited. Having a number one receiver they haven't had since like 
Lee Evans. Right. How, you know I was going to go further back. How far are you going? Read, man. Oh, Jesus. You're hopping way back in the Wayback Machine. Um, the running backs, uh, C.J. Spiller last year, 930 yards. Fred Jackson, 890 yards. Probably the best one-two punch uh, in, in football mm-hmm. in terms of multiple running backs. I mean, there's teams that have better running backs overall. Adrian Peterson and the Vikings uh, you know, is one that comes to mind. But to have two running backs like that who produce, I know it sounds weird saying, but that produce about as much, if not more, than an Adrian Peterson uh, is pretty solid considering the wear and tear on those guys isn't isn't as great. Now, this is their backups. I told you they signed Anthony Dixon. They also got Bryce Brown. I mean, their, their backups are better than some team starters. Right. So apparently Buffalo is just going to run the ball down upon his throat until... <laughs> <laughs> Until they just surrender. Oh, that's that's a great running game. Just you hope that it opens up uh, play action. Hopefully, you know if Spiller and if Jackson are running right at the same time, you put, the defense will have to have eight men in the box and help uh, Sammy Watkins get one on one coverage on the outside. What would you expect uh, uh, Watkins uh, into the season? His stat line to be? I could probably see. I'm gonna, I don't know. I don't know what's high for a rookie and what's low for a rookie. But I would say somewhere between 65 and 70 catches. Yards. Maybe 750. I think between 750 and 800. Mm-hmm. And touchdowns? I'll, I'll predict five. Uh, still right around the same length area. I was, saying about, I was thinking about 75 to 80 catches, 800 yards, seven touchdowns. A decent rookie season. Yeah, absolutely. It's better than some veterans will have this year. Yes, yes, sir. Like Stevie Johnson. Right. Um, we're going to the defensive side now. The the only guy I can think of is Bird. <laughs> Jared Bird. Uh, last year, the Bills were fourth against the pass and 28th against the rush. Wait, say that again? Fourth against the pass and 28th against the rush. Good Lord, what is it with their... With their passing and rushing uh, statistics, man. I mean, on both sides of the ball, they're complete opposites. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So what we're saying is they couldn't pass, and then they couldn't stop the run. Um, look at the defense. So one person you can name is who? Jarius Bird? Jarius? Jarius Bird? Who is no longer on this team? He's no longer on the team? Oh, gosh. Is uh, Puzlesny still on the team? Uh, no. Good lord, okay. Well, that's about all I've got. For that's all you have. Yeah. Um, Kiko Alonso. Is Bruce Smith still on the, the Bills? You just stay back then in, in the <laughs> 1980s, why don't you? Uh, Kiko Alonso was by far the best player last year. Um, he was a rookie last year. had 159 total tackles. Uh, two sacks and four interceptions for a linebacker. But I believe that he either tore his ACL or... Gee whiz. Well, did, did, did they yeah, not... Yeah, knee injury. Ooh. Did they not get the... Did they not draft Khalil Mack? No, Khalil Mack went to the uh, uh, Raiders. Okay. I could have sworn that Buffalo got the kid out of Buffalo, which would have been nice. <laughs> but... Okay. That's a, no, they went with uh, Watkins instead. Okay. That's <laughs> the kid out of Buffalo. Um, defensively, 
I mean, they like I said, they signed Brandon Spikes, who definitely helped their running game. He's a he's a he's a pretty damn good tackle and a big body in the middle. Besides that, I don't know any of these players. Way up in Buffalo, man. Yeah, <laughs> or, or Toronto, as they also play in. Right. Um, Jerry Hughes, Marcel Darius. I see. I know Marcel Darius. He's a pretty good um, defensive uh, defensive tackle. But the cornerbacks: Stephen Gilmore, Denora State Searchy, Aaron Williams, Leonis McKelvin. Just struck out all, all four of those guys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you're not high on their defense. How can you be after those statistics from last year? I mean, they lost their best player from last year to an ACL injury. That kind of sucks, though. So. Yeah. Um, go ahead, continue talking, my friend. What do you think? Uh, I'm just looking like more of the same for the Buffalo Bills. They just they don't have that. Oh, they still have uh, Mario Williams. Yes. Okay, so that's about it. Oh, you know Mario Williams? Yeah. Yeah, Jared Bird went to the Saints, so thank you for playing. Okay, well, that's about it. And he's making a lot of money. That's all I can tell you for sure. And he had kind we of just talked about him last podcast. That's a, Mario Williams. No, Bird. Well, I'm talking about Mario Williams All right, now. go ahead. Bird's on this team. You just said that. You didn't know that until I said it. Boy, folks, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is taking a turn for the worse. Last year, Mario Williams, 38 tackles, one forced fumble, 13 sacks. So definitely a bounce back from his first year in Buffalo. Yeah, in Buffalo after he signed that huge hundred plus million dollar contract, and he was fighting with his ex ex fiance. Yeah. That got ugly fast. No to all men, never marry. <laughs> Good thing we're a uh, talking football today, and not relationships. Yeah, we are not TMZ <laughs> yet. Um, but I think if you know if he's willing to continue to take that step forward. And really assert himself as the defensive captain, mm-hmm. then you could see some improvements. Maybe going from twenty eighth to twenty seventh in, uh, in defense or rushing defense. I, but other than that, I just I don't see the improvement really. I don't see any improvements that they've made. Fourth in passing yards. I'm looking at their stats for their um, defensive line. Defensive line had a lot of sacks. Their guys were 10, 13. Um, sorry, let me go back to them. Like we said, uh, Mario Williams had 13. Jerry Hughes had 10. Kyle Williams had 10 and a half. Uh, Marcel Darius had 7 and a half. So they got to the quarterback. Just couldn't get to the running back. Yeah, it's like they were, they were worried so much about rushing the quarterback. The running back ran right past them for six, seven yards a pop. That's... Like you said in what last podcast, that's disgusting. Yeah, I mean you have to learn to balance that that attack. I mean the talent. It seems like the talent is there if they're getting that many sacks, but they just really have not put it together to uh, implement any kind of legitimate scheme to attack all aspects of the of the offense. You're right about that, my friend. Uh, time to go to their schedule. Sure. I think we've talked way too much about the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, we talked about more than I expected. We, yep, 11 minutes in until talking about the Bills. All right, so schedule for the Buffalo Bills. They start off Chicago, Miami, San Diego, Houston, Detroit, New England, Minnesota, uh, New York Jets, and their bye week in week nine. That smells like a 4-4 four four type record, really. Yeah, that, that's, that's 
pretty even even handed. Yeah, that's a, a decent record. I mean, finally we see a team that came in last place have a um a, a easy uh, <laughs> more schedule, more well balanced. Uh, yeah, well balanced schedule and a well balanced breakfast. After the bye week, Kansas City, Miami, New York, Cleveland, Denver, Green Bay, Oakland, New England. After the bye week is when it starts to get hard, especially those last three of those last four games against Denver, Green Bay, and New England. Yeah, but they still have they still have Oakland, they still have Cleveland, mm-hmm. and the Jets. It looks like is that right? Yes, that's that's actually a promising schedule to be honest with you. Yeah, as down as we've been in the past twelve minutes and counting on the Bills, that schedule is pretty favorable for them. Yeah. Um, and they're going up against teams that a few teams that don't have established quarterbacks that. Or establish running games. Mm-hmm. Look at Cleveland. Look at the Jets. I mean, that you could maybe see Buffalo start not necessarily make noise in the division, but establish themselves and build some momentum going into maybe twenty the twenty fifteen twenty sixteen season. Okay, so wins for the Buffalo. The over under is six and a half. You know, with that record, I'm going to go over. I'm going to be Mr. Optimistic today. Shocker. I'm going to go over. Uh-huh. I'm going to say 7-9. Seven 7-9. And nine. Seven and nine. I think there's there's enough games on that, on that schedule for them to improve, believe it or not. Um, I just want to say that you're Mr. Optimistic and so am I. I'm saying over, and I say they break even, 8-8. Eight and eight. I think E.J. Manuel takes a step forward. Their running game is still su- superb. And Sammy Watkins becomes the number one receiver that they need. It's surprising considering how much, uh, how negative we were at the yeah, beginning of the show. Yeah. But wow, that schedule is extremely easy. Yeah, but it's that's actually rather promising. So good for them. Yeah, it's it's good for Buffalo. They need they need some some good times despite the cold cold weather. Then they're. Um their owner passed away recently? He did, and they're in danger of being bought by Mr. John Bon Jovi. And taken. Donald Trump? Well, no, John Bon Jovi, because there was talks that if uh, Bon Jovi purchased, purchased the team, there was rumors that he might try to relocate the team. So to fans where? were... I don't know. I mean, the number one spot that they've been talking about for about three years is Toronto. Possibly. Or Bills. I mean, there's always the L.A. market. So I just, I let's go, Donald Trump. Stick with stick with Buffalo. They need it. If Donald Trump, Trump becomes owner, his columns will become fifteen percent funnier. It'll be <laughs> us, especially during the football season. Well, absolutely. I think that's a fifteen percent increase league wide. <laughs> All right. So next team up, uh, Miami Dolphins. Over the all season, Miami Dolphins finally fired Jeff Ireland, their general manager, who made all kind of dumb decisions and dumb contracts. Which basically killed their cap. Ugh. Um, signed Courtney and Finnegan. They signed Brett Grimes, cornerback from Leaf Atlanta, to a four-year contract. Signed offensive tackle Brendan Albert to a five-year contract. They did anything else worth mentioning? I always feel like when I go through this, there's someone um, pounding away on the computer going, You missed this, you missed this. Right. Oh, they also signed uh, the running back, Noshawn Moreno from Denver. That's a big pickup for them. One-year contract. That's when you know that no one wants you. I mean, that Denver didn't want him. When it's like, okay, we're leaving. They're like, 
Okay, we'll be all right. <laughs> that's still that's a big pickup for for Miami. I think he had a great year last year. Considering he was yeah, considering he played with Peyton Manning. That's what I'm thinking. I, he had a great year because of Peyton Manning. People respected Peyton Manning's ability to pass the ball more than they did Noshaw Moreno's running ability. So instead of having, like I said, the eight man in the box, they're throwing they're throwing zones. They're putting four or five men in the box because they know how good Peyton Manning is. And then Noshaw Moreno gets the ball and he's out. He has all these open lanes because the linebackers are taking a step backwards instead of taking a step forward to the blitz, like a, like if Manning was a bad quarterback. So I think. Playing with Peyton Manning helped Noshawn Moreno tremendously, and this year with the Dolphins, we might see his, his actual talent, and it's probably not going to be as good as it was last year. Well, it's kind of hard to duplicate those kind of numbers, anyways. It doesn't really matter who it is. I mean, very few do. Um, but they've got a young core of offensive players. It seems like Tannehill is pretty. De- he's a decent enough quarterback, where I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll help that they won't have to rely on him, his arm, as much, mm-hmm. and it'll still allow Marino to keep, you know, to continue to contribute and be an impact player, and possibly earn him a multi-year deal after the end of this season, as opposed to the one-year deal he had to, I guess, basically just take. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to our offense. Last year they were twentieth in the pass and twenty-sixth in the run. Well, I think the addition of Moreno helps is going to help that mm-hmm. running game, and it's definitely going to help them move higher in the standings. You're talking about Ryan Tannehill last year, 24 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, uh, 60% passer, 219 yards per game. That's much better than I expected. 60% is a really good number for Miami, or for anybody, really. Say, but, what, a second-year quarterback? Yeah. And a guy who only has, what, Mike Williams? Not Mike Williams, Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace. So they have an impact receiver, and they now have a pretty almost impact running back to go along with a young quarterback who is improving, it seems like. that's That has the makings of, of an improved offense overall, I think. An offense that's going to move up in the standings, both from the passing game and the running game. Um, That's why I love these preseason talks because we can fantasize about what could happen and relish and bask in the glory if they do happen. Yeah. Uh, so we talk about receivers. Mike Wallace on one side, the other side is uh, that Brett Hardline. We had a good year last year as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Actually, Hardline, you say he had a better year than Wallace. I had over a thousand receiving yards, seventy-six catches. Um, and four touchdowns. Wallace nine nine hundred thirty yards, seventy three receptions, and five touchdowns. I probably had the better year. I mean, Mike Wallace is a speed threat, but you know, you get older, that speed declines. Right. So I'm not looking for it. Um, the one thing that really killed the Dolphins last year was the whole um, Martin bullying scandal. Yeah, and it feels like that was forever ago. It really does. I can't and remember the guy's first name. Yeah, I don't remember either. Uh, no, I have to Google this. Uh, it's no big deal. He's gone. Incognito's gone. And that's what hurt them. They lost Incognito and they lost uh, Martin. Jonathan Martin. Jonathan Martin, thank you. They lost both of those, and their offensive line just went to hell last year. But they still played well 
after this after this story came out, they still played effectively um, and were almost in contention for a playoff spot at least. Last year, what did they go eight and eight? So yeah, you're well, they play hard. I guess you know they circle the wagons or something like that. It's also against the media when something like that happens. But still, Tannehill took a lot of punishment. When I mean, you lose two fifths of your offensive linemen, and you have to put in two guys who really don't know what they're doing. Right. You're going to get your quarterback killed. There's a play, I'll have to see if I can find it, where basically Tannehill spikes the ball. He takes two steps, and the defensive lineman just rushes by the offensive tackle like he like he wasn't allowed to touch him <laughs> and knock Tannehill clean out. we got to hope that they're making the most of OTAs and, and training camp to get these guys in shape, get them ready to assume the everyday role as you're – as your starting offensive lineman. And no bullying. Just not one thing. Sure. Or no snitching, whatever way you want to go. <laughs> uh, go to the defensive side of the ball. Miami last year was 16th against the pass, 24th against the rush. It's pretty average defense, mm-hmm. it sounds like. What was the bag against the rush? So last year, the. Let's see, who's their best? Their best? Oliver Vernon? I wonder, is he still on the team? Yes, he's their right defensive end. He had 11 and a half sacks last year. Um, Cameron Wake kind of fell back to the pack. Let me see if I can find him. Go ahead and talk. Yeah, uh, oh, he had eight and, a, eight and a half sacks. Okay, he did well. He did. That's that's probably the only guy that I can recognize on that defense. <laughs> we're we're going to play a game where he's, I'm going to say, can you recognize? I'm just going to put... Just have pictures of different defensive players and teams, and see how long it takes you. To well, I, I don't think them. most. I don't think most people can do that. You, you're talking about a game where they they're wearing pads and helmets. You don't see their face all the time. That's that's for any sport that involves helmets and covering of the face. All right, just pull up the depth chart. And say how many of these guys can you name on the Miami Dolphins? And you're gonna be terrible at it, huh? Probably. Um, let's see. Defensively, like I said, they signed Brett Grimes and Cortland Fittingen to be the new cornerbacks. Um, Luis Delmas from what's he on? Detroit. I mean, how do you feel about their defense? I feel like defense is the one thing that we do not talk about that much because it's hard to quantify what makes it good or bad. We just know what is good and bad. Right, because most defenses, um, I mean, it's kind of the same argument that you have with offense, but most defenses only have one or two impact face type players that mm-hmm. you can look to to be productive year in and year out. But with the defense, you your objective is to prevent points, is to stop from points, stop points from being scored, and that's a lot harder than throwing the ball into the end zone or running through the, between the tackles. So you have to have a really complete team, and if you don't, you're toast. And it doesn't seem like Miami has a really complete team. They just have a, a middle-of-the-pack team that's just there to secure a few wins and go home after their losses. That's about it. Nothing that really stands out. I agree with you. Um, let's go to the schedule. Another team with an early bye week. Let's start here with New England, Buffalo, Kansas City, Oakland, and then a bye in week five. I can see them going one and three. I guess to see them going two and two, they could probably beat Kansas City and Oakland, losing the England and Buffalo. Um, then after 
after the bye, the schedule gets crazy hard. <laughs> Green Bay, Chicago, Jacksonville, San Diego, Detroit, Buffalo, Denver, New York Jets, Baltimore, New England, Minnesota, and they finish season with New York Jets. That's like two wins in there. Pretty much. That's pretty sad. It's like Jacksonville and Minnesota. And maybe the Jets. Yeah. Okay, so for Miami, wow. Um, their over-under is seven and a half wins. I'm going to go with the under. Let's say six and ten. Oh, why is that? Uh, that schedule's just too tough, it seems like. I mean, they play in a really tough division as to begin with. I mean, you really have to come out with your A game every time you play New England. You're not going to get a fluke win against New England. So, it's going to be tough. Every time they play New England, it'll be, it'll be hard-nosed when they play the Jets. And Buffalo seems like a better team this year, or an improved team where... They're going to have a tougher time against Buffalo. It's not a guaranteed win against Buffalo, where they might actually lose games against Buffalo. Um, I agree with you. I'm also going under a 10-6. 10-6? Um, I'm sorry, 6-10. and 10. Oh, Thank okay. you. Uh, sorry, I read that wrong, apparently. Uh, I just don't think um, their offense is that good, and I really don't think Mike Wallace is as good as people say he is. I think he's a one-trick pony. And that's he's not as good evaporated. as he's being paid. Well, no doubt. Yeah, he's overpaid. He was overpaid when he signed that contract. They they had to overpay him to get him to leave um, Pittsburgh to come down there. Right. So, like I said, I just think he's a one trick pony, and he's a number two disguised as a number one. I feel like um, he's a little bit of a malcontent, and that could bring the entire team down. So six and ten. Six and ten. I can't argue with that. Okay. Uh, next up, the New England Patriots. Hope you have a good 30 minutes for this one. Last year, the Patriots went 12-4, under the division, of course. Um, what do they do in the offseason? Come on. They, uh, they, signed, they actually lost a lot and picked, still picked up a lot. Yeah, they picked up Darius, uh, Darrell Revis. Revis Island is now in... New England. England. They, they lost Patrick Chung, yeah, decent safety. They lost who? Go ahead. Keep to leave. Yes, they lost uh, to leave. Uh, we just said they lost for endless fights to Buffalo. Um, Did they lose Julian Edelman? Uh, no, no. I don't oh, that, no, that was two years ago. Oh, uh, yeah, you, you were correct. They lost, uh, what's his name? Aaron Hernandez to jail. Well, that's, that's a long time ago. And uh, looks like they're getting back Gronk. That's a that's about as good as any signing you can make. Yeah, Gronk is excellent. He's uh, one of the he's either one or one A with Jimmy Graham, as far as how you're concerned. But the problem with Grant, Gronk is it's hurt. Yeah, he can't stay. He hasn't stayed healthy for the last two years. Um, let's go to the offense. Oh, it's, oh it's last year the Patriots were tenth in passing uh, in the passing game and ninth in the rush. Thus, the twelve and four record seems a little low for them, doesn't it? Uh, no, because Tom Brady didn't have a lot to work with. I mean, he's he's so good that he can 
he can throw to just about anybody, and they can finish tenth in the pass. Did you imagine Julian Edelman was still there? Yeah, he's but he's been in San Diego for. A year. No, he's still here. He is. Yeah, you're thinking of I don't know who you're thinking of that went to San Diego. Somebody went to San Diego. Okay. Um, and Dave, Danny Amendola got hurt last year. Shocker, right? No one saw that coming. <laughs> so no, it's not. It's not surprising that they were tenth. It's it's a um, it's a job well done on Tom Brady's part. Really, it's a testament to how good he is. Last year, Edelman, 105 receptions, 1,056 yards, six touchdowns. That's the quote unquote number one guy. Mm-hmm. Rob Gronkowski had 39 receptions, 592 yards, four touchdowns, 15.2 average on his catches. So that translates. What we're saying is. Over a full year, that translates to a huge year for Gronk. Yeah, but the problem is was help was unhealthy. Exactly, the problem. Uh, so I could see I could see the the Patriots passing game improving in the standings this year if you have a healthy Gronk, if you have a healthy Amendola, if Edelman continues to contribute like he did, and then they still they have, and it seems like all their receivers were getting hurt at one point last year. They had yeah. some young guys that were, were coming along as well. Very true. Um, because Brady, as long as Brady's healthy, the accuracy is going to be there. The playbook is going to be there. And he's going to do what he wants. And it only it only helps. It helps him even more when he has guys that are capable of making the big plays. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, and the big, problem, one big play. Receiver, they have Kimbrough Tompkins. Yes. Yeah, almost 15 yards per catch. And another player that they're... I thought they were high on, but it seems like supports following him is Aaron Dobson because he just makes way too many drops. Every uh, pass game I've, I saw last year, he had at least two or three drops that were like right there in his hands, and Butterfingers just couldn't hold on to it. And see, that's a good segue because that that's also that was also a big deal, big problem for the running game, was mm-hmm. it not? Uh, Stephen Ridley and last year, Stephen Ridley and Legarrette Blount. Yeah, but uh, Lagarde and Shambarine. Yeah, yeah. Blunt already caught, caught uh, what two passes last year. Shambarine, forty-seven, and what was the other guy you named? Stephen Ridley. Yeah, but I know. Yeah, they have you know problems holding on to the ball, which is surprised. That's surprising that they were still ninth in the league in running. But you gotta you gotta hold on to that ball if you really wanna if you really wanna make an impact. Yeah, Ridley's still here. Shane Green, and then also back up James White and Brandon Bowen. If you're playing fantasy football, stay away from the Patriots running game. It it'd be Russian roulette, right? Because there's no, there's no, there'll be a game where really has a hot hand, and then next game he'll fumble, and Chamberlain will be, you know, get a, a hundred yards and two scores. Just stay away from it. Fantasy wise, it'll be a non-existent running game for. For the Patriots. If only in fantasy you could combine all of those guys into one player and get their stats. Right. Um, so we still like their offense. They have a, their offensive line is still uh, one of the best in the league behind Nate, uh, Nate Solder, uh, Logan Man- Mankins, what's the other guy? Sebastian Volmer. They still have a pretty damn good offensive line. I really don't see any drop off from this year. Yeah, I'd be ready to be better with his wide receivers. Those guys, healthy. those guys will probably retire when Brady retires. It seems like just the way that they've been so consistent. Not a good, not a bad way to go out. Retire no. when the boss man retires. Okay. Absolutely. 
Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Patriots last year were 18th against the pass and 30th against the rush. What happened to the boys? Vince Wilfork went down early. Did he go down early? Yeah. I swear he went down like. They lost him, I think. Season. Before midway, I think. I'm checking it. But that man's on near 390 pounds. I mean, he's. 325 pounds. I think that's low. Really? That's what it has. He must have lost weight, man, because he looked like two off, two defensive linemen put together. The oh, man yeah. is a giant. Big boy, big boy, big boy. But he's their nose tackle. He basically, I want to say stop, but in goals run. Yeah, he only played four games last year. You're correct. I, think he, I don't know why I thought he played longer than that. When you could lose a guy like that to a, it was an ACL injury, was it not? Achilles. Achilles. Achilles! That is devastating and is definitely going to contribute to your 30th against the run. I mean, the guy's a stopgap, really, man. A huge cog in the Literally, he stops gaps. Yeah. Uh, He's 32 coming off an Achilles injury. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was, but they don't really need to be like a superstar. They just need him to plug up gaps. Yeah. Big boy, big boy, big boy. And I think that their their pass defense is going to improve with the addition of Revis. I mean, Talib had a really good year last year, mm-hmm. but you pretty much improved. I mean, yeah. you've upgraded essentially because yeah. Revis is still Darrell Revis. I mean, he still has the potential to put guys on Revis, Revis Island. Yeah. And two years ago, he tore his ACL. Last year was his first year coming back, and everybody knows your first year coming back, um, you're kind of hesitant to put any kind of weight on that knee because the doctors can sit here and say your knee is structurally sound and everything, but mentally, when you're out there on the field, you might think, if I make a tackle, will my knee hold up? If someone cut blocks me, will my knee hold up? If I cut? If, yeah, if I make a cut, will my knee be able to hold up, hold my weight, or am I going to go down? So it takes a year for you to mentally get over that hurdle. And he's finally playing with Belichick. Mm-hmm. He's finally playing um, with a team that I think he respects as much as they respect his talent, and he's—he looks like it looks like he's going to be motivated. You have to be motivated if you're going to play out with Bill Belichick. Patriots fans are just glad that Kyle Arrington isn't starting because he's one of the worst cornerbacks in the league. <laughs> in fact, Daryl Revis and Brandon Bowner, who they got from the Seahawks, should just go out there and play with George to say on the back, not Arrington. Right. Um, let's see what I really like their defense. I think the uh, Rod. Uh, I'm always messing the name. Rod Navinch. Nevinch? Ninkovich. Ninkovich. Damn, on American name. Chandler Jones and then Dante Hightower. I think uh, their line, their um, their defensive line and their linebackers will be heads and shoulders above what they were last year. Uh, regular schedule? Sure. All right, so Patriots, South of Miami, Minnesota, Oakland, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, New York Jets, Chicago, Denver before their bye week in Week Ten. This is like the eighth or ninth year in a row we've had Manning versus uh, Brady, isn't it? Seems like every year, yeah. For as long as I can remember, but really, it doesn't matter how hard or how easy their schedule is. It's they're the Patriots. Tom Brady's healthy. It is what it is. I mean, it, you know. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, after the bye week, they have Indianapolis, Detroit, Green Bay, San Diego, Miami, New York, and Buffalo. 
Look at that schedule. That's a schedule for you. <laughs> That's a schedule. Thank you. Where would I be without your expert analysis? Hey, this, these are the Patriots. You don't, I mean, they're the experts. You really don't need to be an expert for them. Where would I be without your expert analysis? <laughs> then the Patriots. That's the schedule. Um, so what's their, what's their uh, over-under? Over-under for the team is 11. That's all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you want 15 and a half? Uh, almost. I... I can see them going fourteen and two, really. Mm-hmm. So you're going over, going over, and the record going fourteen and two. You go fourteen and two. They're too good not to go over eleven wins. The sad thing is, I think eleven and five is the perfect record for them. But since we said no pushes, I'm going over as well, and I'm putting it at twelve and four. Really, somebody has to have the best record in the league this year. Not better than this division. Oh, I was just about to say something about the league. I lost my train of thought. Keep talking, my friend. I'll see if I remember. Yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, somebody, not just the division, but the the league has to have the best record. And year in in and year out, it usually is the New England Patriots near the top. Mm -hmm. So I don't see that changing for the foreseeable future until Tom Brady decides it's time to change. It's time to hang him up. Right. So 14-2 and two is standard at this point for this kind of team. Yeah. Oh, I remember what to say. Um, the Patriots in football are like the Spurs in basketball. I'm just going to take the over until they prove me wrong. Yeah. That's the safe bet. Yeah. It's like they've had excellence for so long. It's just stupid to bet against them. Yeah. All right, so that was a nice talk about the Patriots. Uh, now, we're, now we're really going to get serious. Didn't go as long as I expected, but okay. It didn't, but now it's time to get serious and get down to business. Wrapping up with the New York New York Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. <sighs> They're the only team that we can do that for. You have to. No matter who you're rooting for, you have to do it's that. It's in chant. the contract. When you make a podcast, it's in the contract. You talk about the Jets, you have to do the, the chant. Absolutely. We had no choice. Um, let's see. They re-sign Calvin Pace to a two-year contract. Release Antonio Holmes. Release Antonio Cromarde. They signed Chris Johnson, the running back from Tennessee. They released. Do they release Mark Sanchez? Yes, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Mark Where they trade is on Philadelphia. Yeah, he's on Philadelphia. I believe they released him. He signed with Philadelphia. Okay. And they signed Mike Vick. They Mike signed Mike Vick. Vick. I saw this. The one of the most maddening reports today that the Jets coaches were mad that Michael Vick didn't come in with the attitude of winning the job when they did everything <laughs> in the media to say this is Geno Smith's job. He's going to be our starter. And so Michael Vick went, oh, okay, I'll just be the backup. I'm not going to push any buttons. I'll chill back here. They're like, oh, he didn't fight for the job. He's playing too aloof, I guess, for their liking. He's like, you told him he couldn't win the job. And then when he said, okay, I'm not going to try, then you complain. No, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Because if you don't come in with the attitude that you want to win the job, then there's no pressure on Geno Smith to work as hard as he needs to to win the job. That's true, but if someone says... You can't win. We're, this is our guy. You're going to be the backup. Why would you even... What's you going into the job? You want to prove him wrong. 
He just went ahead and, and went with the company line instead of saying, I want to prove them wrong. Wait a minute. This is from the guy that on last podcast was complaining that uh, uh, Richard Sherman was being too loud and was getting out of hand. And now when a guy is actually towing the company line, you complain? Well, not to the degree that he did, where he just flat out gave up. Because they said we're bringing him as a backup, and he backed up. He doesn't need to say it. He just needs to play. If he had come in with the attitude that, even if he had said all the right things like he did, uh, but actually tried on the field, then that's good enough for me. He doesn't, he he doesn't have to. I think my one issue is you say that he should have came in to push Geno Smith. If the coaches are already saying it's Geno Smith's job, what pressure does Geno Smith feel? If they say it's an open competition, then he would feel pressure. But when your coach is saying it's already your job, there's no pressure on you. No, I think, you I think there is because even if the guy that, that is your backup comes in and is already told that you're not getting the starting job, he could still choose to play as hard as he can and make them give him the starting job. And that still puts pressure on Geno Smith. It's not about it's not about words, man. It's about your actions. And if Michael Vick had come in and played like he really, really wanted to start, like he was dead serious about sitting this young kid down, then that would have I think that wakened that that opens Geno Smith's eyes. That's a slap that's the you know, slap in the face that he needs to wake up and get serious and get down to business. This whole situation is like dating a girl who tells you not having sex. And then a month later, she gets mad at you for not trying. It's like, you told me not to do anything. What are you getting mad at me for? I followed your instructions. <laughs> yeah, we're not editing that. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. All right. That's another topic for another podcast. So, also forgot they signed uh, Eric Decker. I think it's right here. Who? Eric Decker. Who is he? The wide receiver that was on Denver. He was? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, the guy who didn't show up to the Super Bowl. Oh, that guy. The entire uh, Broncos team didn't show up to the Super Bowl. What are you talking about? Yeah, but he's the only one that made out with a big fat contract after the season. It ain't tricking if you can get it. Yeah. Trust me, if Peyton Manning was a free agent, they would have gave him a big-ass contract no matter what happened. Oh, of course. All right. So, but he's Peyton Manning, so you can't argue that so, last year, the Jets were 31st in the passing game and 6th in the rush. <laughs> you tried to say that with a straight face, but I they just couldn't, I couldn't hold it together. Geno Smith last year. All right. Wait, 31st passing and... 31st passing, 6th rushing. Wow. That's because everybody got a chance to run the ball. Yeah, it seems like. like it. it seems high. It's 134 rushing yards a game. It seems high. Let yeah. me tell you how that, all that happened. Chris Ivory, 833 yards last year. Boal Powell, 697 yards. Geno Smith, six, uh, 366 yards. That's like two, that's 2,000 yards right there. It's impressive. So they did well again. Let's, now let's go to the passing side. Geno Smith, last year, 55.8% uh, completion percentage, th- over 3,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. That'd be a problem. That gets you 31st in passing. Are we sure he's in colorblind? Like, <laughs> when I see stats like that, I really want to see him go through an eye test so he can tell, show his, uh, 
know what the colors are. But <laughs> so they brought in Chris Johnson, veteran, a veteran. Uh, but those two K, two K CJ days along in the rearview mirror. Uh, Eric Decker is going to be the number one. And, and number one, and Stephen Hill's on the other side of him. They still have Jeremy Curley, uh, Brian Jacoby Ford, wide receivers. Do they still have San Antonio Holmes? No, they released him. Okay, that's right. He just signed with. I'll come to somebody. Yeah, it'll come to me later. Um, yeah. Oh, I forget to mention that uh, Dino Smith also had forty-three sacks. <laughs> Oof. So how are they looking defensively? Oh, you just want to go to the defense? Yeah, it's they're all over the place on the I offense. I can guarantee Eric, uh, Decker's not going to have the year he had last year. Let's just say that. Uh, defensively, it's still a um, Rex Ryan defense, but the glory days are gone. Last year, they were 22nd against the pass and 3rd against the rush. Hmm. Man, what is it with these huge gaps in... On defense, <laughs> there's just, there aren't there's just really it's weird because usually you expect to see like really close like first like second against the pass third against the rush or but that's a, that's a third, third, third contending team not the New York Jets or something like thirtieth against the run and 29th against the pass yeah you're seeing the like these huge extremes two and thirty yeah you know three and twenty seven all right like I said I don't have much to say about the um. Their defense, like area defense, they brought it. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, so prayed that with a left defensive tackle. Uh, Calvin Place, fame uh, linebacker. That's all I got. How's the schedule looking? Uh, the schedule, as we like to say, they have a late bye week. So they go Oakland, Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit, San Diego, Denver, New England, Buffalo, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. And then their buys in week 11. That's a pretty tough schedule. That's pretty tough. You're not the best in the business for anything. After <laughs> the bye week, the Buffalo, Miami, Minnesota, Tennessee, New England, and Miami. Doesn't get any better, really. <laughs> Man, uh, what was the over-under last year? Or this year? Oh, I'm sorry. The win? I don't think I said They were 8-8 eight eight last year. 8-8 eight eight last year? What's their over-under this year? 7. So Vegas expects them to take a step backwards. I'm going to go... Seven even? Seven even. Man, that's tough. You want to go seven and nine, don't you? I do. You, uh, that's no how push. I felt with the, no with the uh, Patriots. I want that 11 and five and couldn't do it. I'm going to go under, and I'm going to go five and 11. Somebody has to be dead last in that division, and it just seems like they've added a few old guys on offense to help out this young guy. And he's still Geno Smith is still young, and those numbers from last year weren't anything to build off of. It seems like so. I can see them taking a couple of steps back this year. Okay. You said that has someone. Someone has to be dead last in this division, correct? I did. I'm picking that to be Miami when I pick them to go six and ten. New New York Jets. I'm picking them to go over. I'm I'm picking them to go eight and eight. Why is that? Uh, I'm expecting um, Geno Smith to either either Geno Smith will have a better year than last year, or Michael Vick will be the starter. 
Eric Decker helps him the wide in the uh, passing game. He's not going to get the numbers he got in Denver, of course, but it's better than what they had before. Um, and it's still a Rex Ryan team, so I expect the defense to still be top 15. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just expect everybody to be up on my end. Well, there you have it, folks. That's our look at the AFC East. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, feel free to chime in in the comment section. Let us know your thoughts. Do that for all of our shows. We've, uh, we try to have some lengthy conversations about these teams. We try to stretch it out as much as we can. But obviously, we're not the experts on all these teams, so we need you guys, the experts as well, to chime in. Word. That's oh, it. That's all, <laughs> that's all he's got. So we thank you again, as always, for tuning in, for all the love and support you guys bring. And we look forward to doing it again next time. Yes, next time we'll be doing the AFC North, which I'm already going to tell you it's going to be nothing but attrition. <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up. Say goodbye to the people. See you next time, folks. All right. For Anthony, this is Quincy. Later, babies.